Lord, we bow our hearts and we bend our knees and we pray that you would make us humble. Help us, Lord, in the, in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Help the congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ to say, from where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth, that God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in trouble. Lord, in the midst of our land, we see uh, events that can cause an anxious heart, but we know that you're in control. Just as we, in our Sunday school lesson, learned of, of David, uh, I'm sorry, Joseph, how he responded uh, to you, Lord, during the events in his life. And, and he said, God sent me ahead of my family. That he recognized that there were events in his life that were out of his control. But instead of being bitter, instead of letting it affect his life in a negative way, he was able to see where God was at work. Help us, Lord, to see the talents and the gifts that you have given to each Christian. To see those in our life. To recognize that we need to use them for you. We need to stand up for you and to use them. But Lord, you go before us. It's not what we do, it's what we get to do. So this morning, Lord, we pray that you prepare our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit speaks through uh, Brother Curtis this morning. And for all those that are, are, are listening to you today, Lord, help us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. See what I got? Aren't you happy for me? You know what? It's goat skin leather. You know what else? Pardon me? It does, but it's black letter edition, not red letter. I love you guys. <laughs> You're so fun. You're so fun. I hope the people, if there's anybody that's watching this or watches this later, they understand us. Okay? I hope they do. If they don't, call. Call 815-673-2070, and I'll help explain us to you. All right? So there you go. I got that right, didn't I? Okay. Um, so, so I've got my work cut out for me uh, because someday – Someday or week, I'm going to go through the Gospels and even Revelation, and I'm going to highlight the words of Christ in red. Because <laughs> I got, I mean, you know, it's just got to be there. It's got to, got to have it. Um, but anyway, this is what I have, um, and I'm pleased with it. I like it. It's, uh, the only thing is it's slick. I may drop it. <laughs> you got to, you know, yeah, I know. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and, and you know, when I look at it in, in the text, um, I see that verses 1 through 11 are all connected. We're just going to go through verse 3 today, okay? 
I know it's like, Curtis, you're letting us down. We want to know about these spiritual gifts. But let's get some um, other information under our belt, <coughs> some other uh, ideas, some other thoughts about these first three verses. And next Sunday, we'll hit 4 through 11, okay? Um, and so, uh, again, it's the New King James. If you have your Bible and you're able, stand with me as I read just these first three verses of chapter 12. <coughs> now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for your word. God, enlighten us uh, as we open your word. God, open it to us to help us to learn from it, to understand, and Father, to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm really glad <clears throat> that I am not a, um, you know, one of those really famous preachers, you know, that they call to speak at all the conferences and everything, because when they call you to preach at the conferences, they want to hear something that they want to hear, okay? And they give you a, a, a topic and maybe even a text and go, here's the direction we want you to go. And I'm so thankful that Sunday mornings, it's not one of those conferences. Because when I, when I begin to read the text, and when I begin to read the, uh, what other commentators say, other, other theologians say, I don't go at this text and I don't go, okay, here's what I want to say from this text. All right? <clears throat> On Sunday morning, I usually get here. Um, sometime I get in the pulpit here. Uh, to go over all of this and to preach this to an empty congregation to make sure I have an idea of how things are going to go with no idea what direction God's going to take me, what direction God's going to take this. I may have some thought of some of those things. They're like, that's really cool. I want to make sure I point that out. But I don't know exactly where God's going to take me, and, and I kind of like that. I have no agenda when I get up here except preaching what God has in His text, okay? And, and I pray that, um, that God honors that. I don't want you to hear what I have to say about the text. I don't even want you to hear about the, what the theologians and commentators that I read have to say about the text. I, I want it to be something that, that God has brought to us, okay? Um, and, 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 and so as I read this one, I'm looking at this and I see, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, Paul probably could have been a stand-up comic. Because you remember one of the things that these guys, these Corinthians were so proud of? They were so very proud of their knowledge. They were so very proud of that. They, they, were, they were flaunting that and, and bragging about that. And the first thing he does in this chapter is says, I don't want you to be without knowledge. Okay? Apparently they were at least on this subject. But I, he said, I don't want you to be without knowledge concerning spiritual gifts. Now, here's some interesting things about this. Um, in, in my new King James, my new new King James, and in my old one, the word gifts is in italics. And some of you may have another version, uh, whatever it is. I love the New American Standard also, and I don't know exactly what it says. You might have the RSV or the CSV or the ESV. Uh, you might have the CSB. Um, which is the Christian Standard Bible. Um, 
It used to be the Holman Christian Standard Bible printed by Southern Baptists. It's a good version. It's, it's, it's good. But you might have something else in this text, this first verse. It might not say concerning spiritual gifts. It might say concerning spiritual things. It might say concerning spiritual persons. It might say concerning the spiritual stuff. You know, I don't know. Um, and so when you look at this, and, and the reason that word gifts is in italics in the New King James is because in the Greek, it's not really there. Okay? And the problem with that, now, for Paul and for his readers of that day, it wasn't really a problem. They understood what Paul was trying to say. Paul knew what he was trying to say. They understood what he was trying to say, probably because he was just clearing some things up a little bit. But for us, that leads to some difficulties. Because is he really talking about spiritual gifts? In other words, take a look at 4 through 11. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. I love this, by the way. In the first three verses of this, he talks about the Holy Trinity, 4, 5, and 6. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I love that. Okay, and, and I hope I'm going to do this now and say this now because I don't want to forget it. And and you never know what I might forget by next Sunday. There are diversities of gifts. Of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Isn't that something I want to make sure we understand this. The spiritual gifts that God has given you. Maybe you have one. Maybe you have seven. Who knows? OK, and if you're really gifted and you have more than one. Awesome. Those aren't for you, okay? The spiritual gift or gifts that God has given you are not for your benefit, okay? They are for you to benefit others, all right? That's what that says. Let me keep reading. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So we see that from just reading those few verses after this one, okay, verses 4 through 11, after we read verse 1, or verse, then we can see why some people think that this is specifically talking about spiritual gifts. But what we've got to understand is there is a specific connection and a strong connection between spiritual persons and spiritual gifts. Okay, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts. Why? Because nobody has spiritual gifts except for those people who are spiritual persons. Okay. And who are spiritual persons? Spiritual persons are those who have the spirit of the one true God dwelling in them. Okay. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to them. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual persons, spiritual gifts, spiritual things. And, and, and he's working hard to make sure they understand that. Um, I do not want you to be ignorant. I, and I love that there. Okay. Now, again, we can see this um, uh, idea here of the idea that there are um, so many different things that um, ways that they can interpret this. And one of them, again, is spiritual things. One of them is spiritual gifts. One of them is spiritual persons. And, and honestly... You just can't really know for sure exactly which one it was because we weren't there. We didn't listen to the Apostle Paul in person. But I believe that there is such a great connection and a strong connection between the idea of spiritual persons, followers of Jesus Christ, who have the 
Spirit of God dwelling in them, having spiritual gifts, then it really doesn't matter exactly how you read that as long as you understand all of that, okay? So, now concerning spiritual gifts. It is possible that they wrote to him and asked him about spiritual gifts. And it's possible they did that because there was a problem in, um, uh, in Corinth. And it's possible that that problem is some people were claiming to have spiritual gifts that they didn't have. Some people were counterfeiting the spiritual gifts. And some people were doing some things that they really didn't have, they really weren't gifted to do. There's that possibility. But there's also the possibility um, that he understood some things that were happening without a question being asked, okay? That he's looking at all these spiritual gifts. And by the way, there's so much more to chapter 12, 13, and 14 than, than just these, quote, gifts. Because if you look at um, 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. What's that more excellent way? You all know what it is. Love. Okay? And, and, and he goes through the whole chapter 13 talking about that. And so, if you are a spiritual person, if, and if you're a spiritual person, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, and when he dwells in you, he has gifted you with spiritual gifts, okay? If you have that, he's also gifted you with the spiritual gift, if you will, of love. And that, again, is something that he's focused on so much throughout this whole book that, that we need to be characterized by love, that people, when they look at us, they need to go, those are people, not just of the book, but those are people of love. And when we talk about love, again, even in chapter 13, it's this word agape. The greatest of these is love, agape, self-sacrificial love, a love that gives up everything. What, what, what did Paul give up? He, he gave up everything that he was, everything that he knew. He said, I wouldn't even eat meat if it causes somebody to stumble. Now, I don't know how many of you are willing to make that sacrifice, but that's a tough one for me, okay? And Paul gave that up, all right? Why? Out of love for the people that he knew and the people that he was around. So this whole thing is focusing on that. You know that you were Gentiles. Oh, I want to I hit that, um, that spiritual thing just a little bit more. You know, there are a lot of people nowadays that claim to be spiritual. And it's really interesting to me that so many people um, uh, think they're spiritual. Oh, I'm a spiritual person. I don't go to church and I don't read, my, read, a, read the Bible, but I'm a spiritual person. I pray to God and, and all of that. And I just, I just want to um, make sure we understand that people who say that but don't have the Spirit of God, they are no more spiritual than the dumb idols that these Gentiles used to follow, okay? They're no more, they're, you know, I mean, and, and, and we've got to understand that there are other spiritual entities out there, all right? And I'm not talking about other gods. I'm talking about demons who are fallen angels, and I'm talking about angels who still worship the one true God. There are other spiritual entities out there, but if they're not worshiping the one true God, and if the Spirit of God does not dwell in them, they cannot claim to be spiritual people, okay? No more spiritual than the dumb idols that the Gentiles used to follow. He says, you know, you know that you were Gentiles, okay? Now, apparently, most of the people that he's writing to were not Jews. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Now, we look at that text, and we see the spiritual gifts that he's talking about. We see that, I mean, you know, that he doesn't want them to be ignorant about this. And he says, you guys were Gentiles. You guys were, um, uh, you, you had been Gentiles. Now you're Christians. You're followers of Christ. You had been worshipers of idols. Think about that. 
worshipers of idols. Again, I just have to try to draw some kind of a contrast and comparison between these idols. Um, uh, and these idols were either cast in bronze, silver, gold, or they were molded, or they were carved. They were something that the people made with their own hands. Some craftsmen made this idol, and people would go and buy them and bow down to them. And it's interesting because some, some cities had one idol, some cities had a different idol, and those idols were supposed to maybe do the same thing. Maybe it was an idol in this city that provided water, a different idol in this city that provided water. They would bow down to them and claim that they were spiritual people because they bowed down to something that, that a man or their craftsman had created, a craftsman that had formed and made. Um, and he said, you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols. They had been Gentiles. Now they were Christians. They had been worshipers of idols who were dumb and voiceless. And now they were worshipers of the only true living God. Think about God. Compare him to these idols. Our God, our God, the only living God, the one true God, the one who created the heavens and the earth with the power of his voice. And sometimes the only thing I can create with the power of my voice is chaos. Okay? You know? But through the power of his voice, his spoken word, he created the heavens and the earth. This God that we worship, that these people began to worship through his son, Jesus Christ, is all-powerful. Can, 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 and, and I don't know that we can really understand that. He's all-powerful. There is nothing outside of his character. That, okay, there's nothing that he cannot do. Nothing. As long as it's in agreement with his character. People ask the question, well... Could he create a rock that's so big that he can't move it? And then the question is, why in the world would he? You know, it's one of those goofy questions that people like to ask to see if they can stump theologians or stump Christians to try to prove that God is not all-powerful. But he is. He's all-powerful. Not only is he all-powerful, he's also all-knowing. He's omniscient. That's the word for that, omniscience. God knows everything, all right? Everything. He knows what color shirt you're going to wear tomorrow. Not that it matters that much to him, but he knows it, okay? You know what's really cool about God? He knows what you're going to do before you do it. He knows what you're going to do before you think about doing it. He knows what you're going to do before you're tempted to do it because he is all-knowing. There is nothing that our God does not know. These dumb idols, they don't know. I'm not pointing at you. <laughs> these, 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 <laughs> these dumb idols. <laughs> they don't know anything. They can't do anything. They can't speak. That's why he calls them dumb. Not that they're stupid. That's not the word this means here. It means they're mute. They can't speak. They can't say anything. They don't have a voice. They have a form of a mouth. They can't open it and start talking. Right? You know people like that? Not that you, anyway. That you wish were like that? There's an altar down there. I may need it. <laughs> you know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, these unspeaking idols. They can't think. They can't speak. They can't listen. They can't do any of that. And, and he says, you were like that. You were carried away. You, you were led. But now you're under the spirit of God's leading. You're under the power of the Spirit of God. And guess what? He can speak. 
He can speak. He can do anything. He's all-powerful. They can't even talk. They can't move. If they want to be, you know, if somebody wants this one to be not here anymore, they have to pick it up and take it over there. Not God, okay? God's powerful, all-powerful, all-knowing, okay? And you know what else he is? This is really cool, too. You know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. He is ever-present, all-present. There is no place that God cannot be, and guess what? That God is not. Isn't that so cool? Because you know what? If you're at home praying, God doesn't have to go, wait a minute, i got to go over here and listen to them. Okay? Somebody else is praying, and I, give me a time. If I'm on the phone talking to somebody and another phone rings through, I, I, I can only talk to one of them at a time. God's not like that. He's ever-present. He can talk to you and listen to you and you and you and you and you everywhere all at the same time. And yet these people were listening to or praying to or following or worshiping dumb, mute idols. He said, that's not the way you are anymore. And, and, and you know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, carried away. And, you know, and you look at this, and however you were led, and the idea here is not that they were leading them, not that the dumb idols were leading them, not that they were being led away or, or drawn away. This was their own idea, their own, they led themselves away, okay? And you look at that idea, it's not that the dumb idols or some demon was leading them away, although that's possible. But the idea in the text, in the... Um, in the Greek, the way it's written is the idea that they were the ones pulling themselves towards these dumb idols. But then, then they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and something changed in their life. Something changed in their life because they understood that there was this one true God who was holy, who was omniscient, who was all-powerful, omnipotent, who was ever-present, and who could speak and tell them the way that they should go and the way that they should live. Therefore, he says, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. Now, some people think that there were people in Corinth that were claiming to speak by the Spirit of God saying, Jesus is accursed. Some people think there were people in the Corinthian church or around there that were saying, Jesus cursed this person for me, okay? Now, that would be pretty odd because what they believe with that one is the idea that the Corinthians in their pagan worship would go to their false idols and would pray to that idol for them to curse one of their enemies and to bring a bad result on one of their enemies and that they had then brought that into the church. There's really no, um, not very much contextual evidence for that, okay? So if you read through the text and you read through the, uh, the way the Greek is set up, there's really not a whole lot of proof for that idea. What is a better proof here, what's a better interpretation of this, is, um, it is something that lines up better with the text. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So what it looks like we're looking at here is the idea of three different groups. Okay? The Gentiles. The Gentiles who, who worshipped their idols, their dumb idols, if you will. Then there's the other group, the Jews. The Jews who did believe Jesus was accursed. Because guess what? According to them, cursed is the one who dies upon a tree. And so they believed, how can he be the son of God if he died on the cross? 
That's only for those who are murderers, who are killers, who are great sinners. And they believe that he blasphemed God by saying that he was the son of God. And so they believe that he was accursed. Okay. And then there's the Christian, the Christian who only by the spirit of God can say Jesus is Lord. So there's three groups. The Gentiles who worshiped false idols. They couldn't do anything. The Jews, who at one time worshipped Yahweh, the one true God, but failed to worship Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then there's the Christians, who understood that Jesus Christ was the one sent by the one true God, the one who uh, died on the cross but rose again, the one who saved them from their sin, washed them by, their, by his blood. And so... And so we see no one can say, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. Not going to happen. God is not going to tell you to say Jesus is accursed. He's not going to do it because Jesus is not accursed. He became sin for us, but he is not accursed. And no one speaking, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, they can say the words. You've probably heard somebody say, Jesus is Lord. Anybody can use those words and say those words. But what he's talking about here, what seems to be the idea that Paul is trying to get across, is that a true believer in Jesus Christ, who has the Spirit of God, will confess and profess, not just say the words, that Jesus is Lord. Now, I dare say that there are Numerous, thousands, maybe millions of people out there that understand in their head that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is God. And that can say, yeah, I understand Jesus is Lord, but it's not traveled down here yet. They can still say those words, but there's no true confession, there's no true profession, there's no true change, there's no true heart belief that allows them to say, by the Spirit of God, that Jesus is Lord. So we look at this text, and we see what he's going through and what he's trying to get to. And one of the things we see are those three groups, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the Christians. And we get to the end of the text, and we have to ask the question there, which group do we relate to? I mean, you know, I, I, know, I know my heart, and sometimes I wish I didn't. Um, because sometimes my heart is not what it ought to be. Um, sometimes there's times when I want me to be Lord. I want, I want to be in control. I want to do what I want to do. And yet I know, I know that for me, Jesus is Lord. He is the one who commands my every step. He is the one who guides me, who leads me. He is the one to whom I pledge allegiance. And that's not a good saying. He is the one that I follow with my life and with my heart. And so I, I look at all this, and I see that, that, you know, he could be describing those three religious experiences, the Jews, the Gentiles, 
uh, and of course the Christian. And I see the idea that without the Spirit of God drawing us, speaking into our heart and through us, we cannot say Jesus is Lord. No, you can say it with your tongue, with your mouth. But is the, that confession, is that profession truth in your life and in your heart? And so I see this text a little bit more about who are we and are we following Christ and are we indwelt by the Spirit of God? Has He led us to believe, to not follow those dumb idols, to not live as the Jews lived, believing that Jesus was accursed, that he had spoken blasphemy. Are we instead followers of Jesus Christ, the Son of the one true God, who loves us and who wants us to follow him? And we could... And so, there were apparently some in the Corinthian church who were bringing stuff into that church that was not Christian. And he was trying to straighten this out. There were some who were saying, maybe Jesus is the curse, maybe Jesus cursed somebody else. And he wanted them to know that if that's the way you are, then guess what? Jesus is not Lord in your life. Oh, he is Lord. He is sovereign. But is he your Lord? And that's the question that we have to ask today. Have we surrendered? Have we come to Jesus and said, yep, revealed to me by the Spirit of God that Jesus, you are the Son of God. And that for me to be who I need to be, to be who you created me to be, I need to surrender my life to you, to let you be Lord, in my life. We're going to have a hymn of decision here in just a minute. And when we sing, I'm just going to ask you, if you if you are to that point where you know that you need to let Jesus be Lord and he's not yet, then I'm going to be at the front for you to come and say, Pastor Curtis, I, I've, I've been trying to follow him on my own. He's not really Lord in my life. I want him to be my boss, my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to follow him every day step of the way every minute of the day let's pray father i thank you for your love and for your forgiveness i thank you for your word here and god there's other other messages from this text and god i pray that that as we sing this hymn of decision that god that you will speak to each one of us that you will help us to see what we need to see individually to hear you speak to us make those decisions that we need to make to trust you, to be ready to give every minute of every day, every step of our way completely to you. Father, we love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.